Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris or Velosos. Welcome back to So Over 50 Podcast. Stay listening. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for joining us for another great So Over 50 Podcast. Making your own swimwear is so rewarding, especially if you're training to swim the English Channel. Amanda Bowden is going to do a relay swim across the English Channel in August this year. She's a so over 50 follower and she's here to talk about her goal, her swimming goal and her sewing journey. Amanda, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today out of your hectic training schedule to be on Sober 50 podcast on So Organised Style. I'm absolutely delighted. I really do feel quite honoured and I am partial to a nice chat, so I'm looking forward to it. Listeners, Amanda and I have just been talking for quite a while before we started this recording, so I know that whatever Amanda talks about now, you'll just love. Anyway, let's get started. So, For our listeners who haven't discovered you before, can you tell us where we can follow you online? Yes, I've got an Instagram page called The Swimming Seamstress and I post all about my swimming costumes and my swimming sewing and my swimming on there. The other place you can find me is on Facebook and I run a group called Sewing for Swimming on Facebook, which is all about enabling people to make their own swimming cozies and swimwear accessories so it's a really really lovely group it's a very supportive group I post technical tips we have swim spot sessions and people do shout outs about products and fabrics that they design for swimmings that's really fun you can just join that on Facebook they're my two main ones I try and throw quite a bit of time at them and I'm feeling like I can't take on any other social platforms. <laughs> I do my sewing group on Facebook and I do the swimming seamstress on Instagram and I'm very content and happy with that. And you did a lovely guest post for Sober 50. Gosh, it was so exciting. I had no idea that I was going to be beautifully bombarded from all over the world. It was terribly exciting. So Sandy started me off. She was so very kind and patient with me. I was feeling like I was a bit of a Luddite at one point because she sort of said, so when the time zones change and America comes, it's like, heavens to Betsy, I had no idea who it's going to be like, oh my goodness. It was incredible. You suddenly get this little kind of flurry of people commenting about the post and people were incredibly generous and really very supportive. Well, just like so over 50 years, so isn't it? It's a, it's a bunch of really, really nice people who like chatting about sewing. I think that maybe because I was talking about my swimwear in particular, that, you know, maybe that was a bit more unusual and people hadn't come across that so much. So it certainly caused an awful lot of interest. And then tons of people came over and started following me on the swimming seamstress and also I was getting donations to the charity that I'm swimming for so that was incredibly kind I mean people literally from all over the world were giving me money it was such an outstanding day it was wonderful you've got two areas that I really want to delve into with you mm-hmm. the first one is your swimwear and your sewing background uh-huh. and then if we can talk about your swimming because that's huge yeah of course 
Is sewing your main craft? If we rewind to when I got my first sewing machine when I was seven, which was Hank Crank Singer, and my mum was a primary school teacher and then went on to train to be a city and guilds embroidery teacher. And both my nans were sewers and knitters and crochets, as you kind of would expect for their age. And so I had lots of women about me who were very, very skilled and encouraged me. So I learned to sew and knit as a little girl and continued with that and absolutely loved it. And I ended up applying to study embroidery and surface design at the London College of Fashion. And I got a place there and did a two-year course. And that springboarded me into completing my degree in textiles and fashion. Then I worked in the industry for a little time and did a few other things and realised that what I actually really liked doing was teaching people and working with young people. So I went back to university in a postgraduate course and did my teacher qualifications and then ended up teaching in schools. So when we grow up, they I, I don't know, did you used to call them home economics teachers or domestic science teachers? Home ec teachers, uh, yeah. Yeah, home ec teachers. So, so old school, a home ec teacher. Nowadays, we're called design and technology teachers with a food and textile specialist. But fundamentally, we're teaching kids how to sew and how to cook with a lot of other things in between. And I did that for a long time. And then I had a nervous breakdown and was very unwell for a couple of years with clinical depression. And I was starting to kind of get my head above the metaphorical water with that and thinking, I don't think I can continue in a school environment I was quite broken by that and I needed to think about where my skill set was and what I was going to do with myself and I just kept going back to that point was I really like teaching people how to sew that's what I like to do I like encouraging I like showing people the techniques I'm good at explaining things and that's what I wanted to do. So the opportunity presented itself to me really by necessity. And I set up a sewing school in Felixstowe in Suffolk, where I live. It's super, super close to the sea. That's been running very successfully up until COVID. Okay. Which is rather put the dampeners on a few things, but it's all right. We're marching on. I'm reopening in the middle of May, which is when the present restrictions allow me to do so. And so that's my sewing heritage. I've got a big interest in vintage fashion and embroidery. So I've run vintage dressmaking festivals. I've written stuff for magazines. I've done radio interviews and I've done lots of stuff. But the thing that I like to do is teach people how to sew. That's what I will always return to. And as I've got older, I think that if the technology as it is now had been available to me in my 20s and 30s, then I might have taken some different routes in terms of being a lot more savvy with online delivery and things like that. Because I like to be in front of somebody. I like to have that energy and be able to really get in and help somebody in the flesh. But the world is changing and it means that we need to change too. So I've been developing my skills in being able to do Zoom classes and deliver online swimming costume making courses. And so I'm developing my business in a slightly different way at the moment because of COVID. 
and where one door closes another opens so that's really exciting and demanding of me in that I'm having to upskill and develop myself in different ways and so that's really cool that's my kind of sewing history. You learned from seven years old you were in an environment where you were encouraged you tried to do more you know with teaching and Mm. then realized that yes you love sewing but you want to do it in a certain way Mm. keeps you sane and happy Mm. keeps you happy yeah if the technology was around at the start of your career I'm sure that you would have been and, and I'm sure that you can do that now is develop courses through film which is what we didn't have years ago yeah so it's exciting. I mean, you know, I'm moving with time, so I'm keeping on going. I am. Ooh, check me out, all fancy. <laughs> Are there any favourite techniques or patterns, notions that you would recommend people invest in when they start looking at making their own swimwear? Absolutely. There are some key components which will make your experience so much better making sure that you've got the correct needles for your sewing machine. So using a stretch needle, which is different to a ballpoint needle or a jersey needle. It's a very specific needle because it reduces the drag and possibility of puckering the fabric. So the the fabric that you're using for swimmer has got this light content. And that's the thing that allows the stretch and return for it to mold to your shape. And if you are using the incorrect needle, you can actually disturb the fibres and get little kind of white drag marks on the surface of the swimwear, which will make it look less tidy. The other thing that I would say is absolutely 100% is use a sew or polyester thread. Don't be tempted because you've got a colour that matches to resort to an unbranded thread or an old reel of thread, it's critical that you invest in the sewal polyester because it will cope with the environment in which you're going to be swimming in. So it will cope with getting wet a lot. It's also a lot more resilient Mm. and you will find it much easier to stitch with than a cheaper thread where you've got a lot of lint lifting off of the, the shaft of the thread. You need to have an overlocker to make swimwear competently, but having an overlocker is lovely and it can elevate the finish of your swimwear and also speed up the process, but it's not critical. And I, I would feel terribly despondent if people were put off having a go at making their own swimwear because they don't have a very advanced machine. I've got my school machines, which I have They cost about 100 quid, Mm -hmm. but it's really, really not an expensive machine. It's got 18 pre-programmed stitches. They're real workhorses. And I make swimming costumes on that very successfully using and utilising the skills and the, the stitches that you have available to you. So it's not about having to invest in really expensive equipment or overlockers. Good quality fabric, proper swimwear fabric, so something with between a 10 and a 20 percent lycra content and it can be quite confusing when you start shopping for swimwear fabric because we use lycra in the UK as quite a general term for describing kind of anything that you make sportswear out of and that doesn't necessarily mean it's suitable for swimwear 
So the lycra is actually describing the fibre, which is the elasticity. So you would end up having lycra put with nylon on or like blended with polyester to create the fabric and so what you're actually looking for is how much lycra or sometimes called spandex mm-hmm. same thing interchangeable terms what the spandex content is in the fabric so you need to have something as I said between 10 and 20 percent or else it won't stretch and return enough So what I would suggest is that when people are shopping for their swimwear fabric, they pay attention to the fabric composition. So a a good retailer will tell you what the gram per square meter is. So you're looking at something between about 190 and 210 GSM, which is grams per square meter. Also looking at the spandex or elastane content being between 10 and 20 percent hopefully they would also say this is suitable for swimwear but we've all done it haven't we? we've been kind of perusing and, and stumbled across a, a market seller or a fabric store that doesn't necessarily provide you with all the information and that's where it could be a bit tricky just buying a lycra which is not going to be suitable the pattern manufacturers design the patterns with a certain amount of stretch and return capability in the fabric in order because a lot of patterns are cut with something called negative ease so they are smaller than you so that they stretch to your body so if you don't have the correct stretchability in your fabric you might experience a problem with the fitting and the other thing that I would say about it is that you can also buy fabrics which are described as two-way stretch and four-way stretch and the patterns will dictate whether you need to use a two-way stretch or a four-way stretch and with the two-way stretches I remember this in a really simple way which kind of I think sticks in people's heads so if you're dealing with a piece of with a length of fabric that's got the selvages and the selvages are the self finished edges that run down the length of the fabric if you wrapped that around like a towel so you had the selvages traveling together down your center front a two-way stretch fabric will stretch around you but it won't stretch down you right always stretch will stretch around you and then you could also pull it up to your head and you could pull it down to your feet and it would still return so there's multi-directional stretch in a four or a multi-directional stretch fabric whereas a two-way stretch will go around you that's another little tip I, that, I, that ended up being a very very long answer to quite a little question didn't there sorry if I've gone on <laughs> but Amanda you know when people have said two-way or four-way stretch I keep sitting there thinking there is only two ways like there's only up and down the selvage or along the across selvage yeah yeah that actually makes more sense to me like I can visualize that just from your explaining it yes I'm a big visual learner and, and when I trained to be a teacher it was when different learning styles was very fashionable and we had to try and kind of assess children's learning styles as to whether they were visual learners, kinesthetic learners, so on and so forth. And most people are actually a mixture. Hmm. And what I try to do when I'm teaching, it's always a good idea to explain, but also maybe give somebody a a bit more of a visual image to hang on to, because especially I think with sewers, we're trained to be visually literate, aren't we? We look 
at bodies we look at pattern and we look at color and we look at shape and that's what we're interested that's why we like making well one of the reasons why we like making clothes so if you can give somebody a demonstration and a visual image to hang on to it can suddenly be that little light bulb moment it's like yeah of course of course it goes around you of course Mm. it is so I'm pleased that you've I feel like you've had an epiphany isn't that marvelous (laughs) I have and now I'm I'm sitting there thinking, should I ask Amanda the question of do you line swimwear or don't you line swimwear? Which camp are you in? I'm a frontliner, so I've got a foot in both camps. Okay, so here's the thing. With lining, what can make a costume very uncomfortable is when it's been overlined, so the lining is too heavy, or that somebody has used a two-way stretch lining with a four-way stretch fashion fabric so when I'm talking about fashion fabric I'm talking about the external fabric which everybody can see not the internal lining and a mistake that many people make is to use a lightweight so less than 190 gsm lycra so when it stretches you get grin through so if you can imagine if you made yourself a swimming costume that had polka dots on it but the polka dots were the size of a slice of banana Mm -hmm. and what can happen is that if it stretches and it's very very lightweight you won't end up having banana shaped circle polka dots you'll end up with looking like all your banana slices have been stamped on and they've been distorted and squished out of image and actually what would be better if you're using a very lightweight lycra is to line it so if you were using a very lightweight fabric you could actually line it in the fashion fabric Hmm. probably not recommended if you're using a very prominent pattern like a polka dot because then it will really get distorted unless you fastidiously line up your polka dots and I frankly life is too short for that but what you could do is you could use a power mesh you could use a plain colored lightweight lycra you could use a swimwear lining, which is 100% nylon fabric, but it's got a lot of stretch and return capability. And I tend to frontline my swimming costumes because the costumes I make, relatively speaking, have got, well, there's quite a lot of fabric because I've got quite a big bum, but there isn't a lot of fabric because I've got my back exposed with a racer back. Right. And those pieces don't require lining they are relatively small they've got a lot of elastic mounted either side of them Hmm. and they don't require lining so consequently I tend to just front my swimming costumes so I will select my lining depending on the weight and the pattern of the fabric because I don't want to disturb it the other thing that I do which secretly pleases me is that I will choose a power mesh in a very vivid colour. So I quite often will line my costumes in bright pink or neon yellow. I kind of feel like it gives me a secret superpower that I've got even more colour on me because I'm a big colour fan. I was always very disturbed by the notion of American tan hosiery. And I think that that sort of what defines flesh coloured, but it's not flesh coloured at all has kind of stayed with me and I find it quite repellent. So 
I tend to choose really, really vivacious colours for my linings. And, you know, and I just think, why be dull? I, I know that I've got something colourful next to my skin as well. So I'm not actually prepared to commit to the do you line, don't you line discussion because I actually do both. I line on the front, I don't on the back. I have lined costumes on the back as well. And through experimentation, I realise that I prefer to work just with a front-lined costume. And I'm also very much a fan of flatlining. Okay, so if you're making a swimming, so a tug swimming costume is like a one piece where you put your feet into the leg holes and you pull it up and then you do a bit of a hip wriggle and you fit your arms in and give yourself a bit of a, more of a wriggle and then you put your straps on and that's a one piece. The costumes that I make have got something called a racer back. So it's a band that travels across the back and then the straps attach to the centre back point. So it looks almost like an X on the back of my swimming costume. Because I do heads down, face in, front crawl in the sea, I can't run the risk of boobage and strap slipping. That's not acceptable. So everything is very contained and stable, which is why I wear the type of costume that I do. So in order to be able to achieve the fit that I like for my costumes, because I've got quite a full bust, relatively small waist, a full hip and a Beyonce-like bottom, Mm -hmm. I have a swimming costume that has got panels on the front, which gives a very, very good fit across my bust. So going back to your original question, which is the difference between a flat line and a full line, a flat line means that each separate piece in the swimming costume has its own lining cut to the same size flat line so tacked onto the fashion fabric and then when the seams are constructed yep. you treat it as one layer of fabric although it's actually two you treat it as one layer of fabric yep. so whether you use like a temporary basting spray or whether you actually tack the lining into position then take all your tacking out afterwards or whether you pin vigorously or use clips your lining and fashion fabric are treated as one piece okay as opposed to making up the shell of the lining separate to the shell of the swimming costume and then putting them together by attaching them around the neckline, the armholes and the leg. Yes. Because for me, on a very, very long distant swim, what you're doing is that you are doubling up on all the internal seaming. And what can happen if, you know, if you're thinking about that you're swimming in salt water for four hours, five hours, 10 hours, you know, whatever you happen to be doing, chafing is your enemy. Yes. So actually, I want to minimize the layers and the number of seams that are on the inside of my swimming costume. I also personally think that it gives a much neater finish because you haven't got a lining kind of roaming around and only attached at the external edges so it's only attached at the arms and the legs are you with me yeah because I've made a a one piece like a a mallet long story short is the fact that you're attaching the lining to those pieces and then sewing it so it's only one layer yes yes I understand trying to get away from chafing because when I've done it the other way it feels like you've actually got two costumes on and you've really only got one 
Exactly. That you have just absolutely hit the nail on the head. That's it. I don't want to be adding layers. I want to be making it as minimal and as comfortable and as fluid, as ergonomically appropriate as I can. So reducing the amount of bulk. And that's also why I tend to use rubber for my elastic as opposed to a cotton polyester or cotton rubber braided elastic that I'll use a flat rubber which is completely covered. So I don't create a casing on the edges of my swimming costumes. I mount the elastic to the inside and then I turn the lycra over and use the edge of the elastic to guide the triple stitching or the top stitching, depending on what machine you've got, because it gives a very, very flat edge as opposed to having a casing which you then thread elastic through, making it rounded. And again, this is to do with flatness and comfort so that those are my preferred techniques and those reasons why I make them in that particular way I'm not saying that it's my way or the highway <laughs> you know I'm not some kind of like oh you got to do it like that but given my experience and how I use my swimming costumes if you're making a swimming costume because you're going to be playing on the beach and going for nice leisurely walks up to a bar with beautiful sarongs and the lapping waves then having to make the choices about flat lining or whether to use a casing or not it might not be relevant to you because it's because you're not going to use your swimming costume in the same way so you know you've got to make it fit for purpose there are so many lovely techniques and different ways that you can do it we're very lucky to have access to all the different means of making them I'm just talking about the experience that I've had with making costumes that are suitable for training pool training and marathon sea swimming Shall we move on to the marathon swimming? You did the guest post for Sober 50. Yeah. You know, you've gone and found patterns that suit your body shape. Yeah. For function. Mm-hmm. And the function is these long distance swims that you're doing. Yeah. How did you start the journey to doing these? Well, this one in particular that you did the guest post on is about the relay Mm. swim that you're doing for the English channel that's coming up in August yeah that's right that's super exciting it's quite an interesting story three years ago at the sewing school I run six week blocks of general dressmaking classes so people come with different projects it's different to lots of different levels so you've got people who are quite advanced with novice sewers different ages different genders And I had a lady who signed up for a six-week general dressmaking class. And she said, what I'd really like to do is make myself a swimming costume. I said, well, that's absolutely fine. I said, it's "It's not something that I've made myself, but I can certainly help with your fit. And I can certainly help you with techniques. And it'll be really fun to have you there doing that because it's, it's something new for me. And I it would be foolish and naive for me to say that I know everything about everything because it's simply not true. And there's always loads and loads of stuff that you can learn from the people that come to you for classes. So I was fascinated by this. And so she turned up with her fabric and turned up with her costume and we had to make some modifications to the fit. She's got a very, very long back. And that's one of the reasons why she wanted to make her own costume because she found it really difficult to get them to fit. She's not an extrovert, this lady quiet observer and uh, was content to sort of get her head down and, and get on with what she was doing and so after a couple of weeks 
I was chatting and stuff and I said so I said in all the time that I've been running a sewing school I've never had somebody turn up to make a sewing costume you know they're so widely available and I know that you've had issues with fit but do you do like tons of swimming or something you know what's this about and she said mm, I do do quite a lot of swimming and I said what what like races and stuff and she said oh no 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 I, do, I don't do any of that larky I don't do any of that pool swimming and I said what kind of swimming do you do and she said I do open water swimming so like, oh there's a there's a name for going swimming in the sea and lakes and rivers and stuff and she said yes it's called open water swimming and I said oh so what sort of stuff have you done she said oh well you know I've swum in the sea and I've swum in the lake district and I've and I said, oh, I said, what's the longest swim you've done then? And she went, uh, probably when I swam to France. And I just. <laughs> she swam to France. She swam to France. So I went, and I went, what? <laughs> she said, when I swam to France. And I said, what, from England? And she said, yes. And I said, what, to France? Because I just wanted to make sure that I, and I, I went, you swam from England to France. And I went, right, everybody put their stuff down. We've got a situation here in the sewing school. And I went, Louise, Sam, I couldn't, I was just, I'd never met one before. When I was little, people that did that used to be on the telly, on the news, covered in lard. Yep, we saw that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a prop, like, and I went, and I was practically hyperventilating with excitement. And she was just started laughing at me. And I went, my goodness gracious when you slapped her bra <laughs> so I said that's why you need loads of swimming costumes oh my god I want to be your friend you're just amazing that is, she's she is just the most superb human being ever and she said oh do you like swimming and I said oh I love swimming I love I love being in the water you know I would be always be that kid that was the last one to get pulled out I'd never done competitive swimming I'd never done I don't have a classic pool swimmer's physique I'm quite sure I've got a short body. I've got short levers. Apparently, I did actually do a quiz, and apparently, I'd be a really good weightlifter according to my body proportions. But I'm not. <laughs> I'm not designed to be a pool swimmer. Who knew? So that I proved that wrong. You can't do weightlifting in the water, and you love the water. So yes, exactly, exactly. So yeah. So Nick, to that, I thought, wow. I was speaking to say so this lady is called Louise. I was speaking to Louise and, and she said, Oh, do you, do you like swimming? She said, Do you ever go sea swimming? And I, I said, Well, you know, I paddle around and stuff, not winning. She went, Do you want to come swimming with me? I felt it was like Einstein trying to teach a toddler to count. You know, this woman is something else. She's something else. And I was kind of like, Yes, because I'll tell you why I said yes. It was the year that I was having my 50th birthday. And I promised myself that every month I was going to try something new as a kind of a challenge. So I learned to play the ukulele and I did a millinery course and I did loads of really, really fun stuff. And, and I thought, well, this will, this will do for one of my things. So I said, yes, I'll come see swimming. Thinking, oh, strike a light. She took me <laughs> swimming. She's so kind, so gentle. I think I did about five minutes. I, well, that's enough of that then. That's, I did enough of that. I feel a bit sick. I had seasickness because it was quite wavy. So I wasn't worried about being out of my depth or anything, but it was just weird. And she went, okay, well, let's get out and we'll do this. Then she said, well, why don't we go swimming at the swimming pool? I said, okay, then. So we went swimming at the swimming pool. I did 12 lengths of a 25-metre pool, and I thought that I was pretty fabulous. And I was like, I've done 12 lengths. And she went, that's really good. And I said, but I've had enough now. And she went, okay. And off we went and had a cup of coffee. Bless her. She kept inviting me 
because she said you seem to like it you're not saying no subsequently we've had many many chats because she now is one of my closest bestest friends and I adore her she's been incredibly kind and very supportive and really helped me enormously and trained me so it was subsequently I sort of said I said why did you keep asking me because for you being in the water for five minutes well you know it's not it wasn't like you were getting a lot out of the deal because she said she said I kept asking you because I knew you wanted to do it and you just needed somebody to show you how and you said I knew the minute I saw you get into the water she said it's so unusual to have so so we got we got down to the beach and this is the first time we went sea swimming and I said right is there anything that I should know and she said no no just just go and have a little bub about and I went oh okay then so she said you literally you just took your clothes off you had your cosy on and then you marched and you started she said and I knew from that moment that it was something that that you were going to take to because you were so confident you weren't worried about the cold you weren't worried about being out of debt you weren't worried about being eaten by eels or you know or, or all the other kind of fear that a lot of you know understandably a lot of open water swimmers have said you didn't have any of that you just marched and it was like this is great (laughs) and it went from there and then and then after that she started saying well come and do some training with me in the pool and then we'll go and do some training in the Lido and then she said do you fancy having a go at doing a five kilometer swim it's like well how many lengths is that we went and did it in Lido how many lengths is that she told me it's like yeah yeah I can do that yeah I'll do that yeah I'll do that and it started developing from there and then it started getting more time for longer things in the sea. And then I signed up to do my first 10 kilometer sea marathon. No, I didn't. I signed up to do a six kilometer sea marathon. That was funny because I turned up, she came and picked me up, took me down to where we were swimming. And I had been super, super busy at work. So I hadn't really paid any attention. I hadn't given myself the opportunity to get worried about it because I was just too frantic and busy. Mm -hmm. So I turned up, it suddenly dawned on me that I was about to get to the sea and swim for six kilometres. And it was like, "Uh, I'm being a little bit unsure about this. So I said, I said, I said, Louise, what should I do? What, what, What should I do? And she said, right, the only thing And it's a really, really good piece of advice that I want you to have with you forever and ever and ever. And I was like, what is it? You know, waiting for this this beautiful drop of golden advice. And she said, just keep swimming. When your tits hit the beach, you finished. (laughs) Anything else? And she went, no, you just got to keep swimming. And eventually you'll get there. It's fine. And I was like, I can do that. I can keep swimming. I'll just do that. And honestly, that 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 has stayed with me when I've done some swims and I've just thought, heavens to Betsy, this is horrendous. I'm not a happy bunny. There's hail, there's blooming rain, chop, just a load of nonsense, just thinking, oh, I'm not a happy bunny. It's just like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to keep swimming. It's the only mm. thing I can do. I have never abandoned a swim. I just keep going. And it's that, it's that you just keep swimming. You just keep swimming and you'll get there. Just keep swimming. As you said before we came on, is that the fact that you got there in the first place, Mm. why would you abandon it? You know, you've done all that training. Yeah, absolutely. You have to give it your best shot. Well, I sometimes think 
especially on really really big swims or swims that are very challenging like I do ice swimming as well which is sort of five degree ice swimming and I've been doing some of that as well that's a bit frisky that could be what I would say is overly refreshing because we don't use the c word no 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 we won't we don't use the c word because it's it's actually impossible if you think that you're hot you can't think that you're cold because you can only think of one thing at a time. So you just keep thinking, I'm really warm. This is really comfortable. And it's not, it's absolutely perishing. And you can't feel anything below your elbows, but hey-ho. So going along, and I just think, if you get out now, if you abandon this swim in half an hour, you will be so cheesed off with yourself. You will be so disappointed. So disappointed, and you'll think, I could have kept going, I could have kept going. And so what you have to do is you have to kind of, it's almost like I go through a process of welcoming and embracing these gremlins that come and speak to me on Mm -hmm. these swims that are saying, what are you doing? You're cold, it's tired, it's raining. You could be at home, you could be drinking hot chocolate. What are you doing? Why do you think you're doing this? You know, all these kind of horrible little pesky gremlins do you know what I mean that that come yeah. and sort of try and, and rock you away from your you know knock you off your perch and you have to sort of say thank you very much for coming to visit me I know that you're only looking out for me but you need to go away now because I'm fine and I'm going to carry on somebody once said that with endurance swimming it's 49% physical and 51% mental application and fortitude I get really cold and I get really tired and people say oh it's amazing that you do all these things it's like it's hard work I I suffer I you know I'm exhausted I'm cold I'm you know I'm not I'm not skipping around it like a little lamb in a field you know it's hard my arms hurt sometimes I have to go to bed and and my husband laughs at me he says it's like having a corpse because I'm so tired (laughs) I don't need to check I'm still breathing with mirror because I'm so exhausted you know, it doesn't come without a cost. It just depends what you're prepared to pay for the sense that you've done something remarkable with your body. You know, and I think that's really valuable. And I, I think as as a woman in her, women in their 50s, maybe become, I don't know whether we become frightened of pushing ourselves or we're not used to doing it in the first place, so we don't do it, or whether it's society's kind of like, well, you know, what, what, what are you doing that for? You know, I don't know about any of that, but for me, I don't want to stop pushing. That's where I am with it. I agree. What you're doing is actually quite remarkable because you're training hard. You're doing various mm-hmm. types of training. You've got goals throughout the year that you're training for. And yeah. you look fabulous because you've sewn your own swimwear. Thank you. <laughs> Nobody else has got my cozies. <laughs> They're probably looking at your cozies thinking, where did she buy them from? Yeah, lots of people do actually come up and ask me. I'm also very inclined towards theming my cozies. So, for example, I did a swim in a subsidiary of the Thames called the Jubilee Swim. And it's in Royal Windsor in Berkshire, where the Queen's got one of her palaces, a castle. So I've managed to find some swimming cozy fabric that had um, crowns all over it. So I had a a royal cozy with gold and red accents because I thought that was terribly regal, matched with red lipsticks. That was rather good. And my lipstick stayed on. So that seemed to impress people more than the fact that I just swam every 
kilometers he was like oh my god you still got your lipstick on us i know you got to blot three times and do and do foundation <laughs> so that was my top tip about that swim how to apply lipstick i did a swim down the river dart in devon that was a 10 kilometer swim for a charity called level water they provide one-to-one swimming lessons for children with disabilities and I had a teal and white ombre swimming costume which was just like their logo. I've made myself Christmas cozies. The first time I did a sea marathon which is 10 kilometers I made myself a Wonder Woman themed costume. Yes. With um, blue fabric with white stars and red and gold so that was kind of like a, a little a little internal booster to my confidence about doing that. For Swim Tyco, which is the charity I'm swimming the English Channel for, the money that we're raising is going to go to projects in Brazil. But I've got to have four costumes for that because of you do not want to change into a soggy cosy. Once you've come out of the sea, it's, it's really like a damp gusset. It's just miserable. So let's not go there so I'm I've got to make four costumes for myself to change into and I'm basing those on the Brazilian flag as part of the kind of swim type of thing it's basically just finding excuses to make more and more swimming costumes <laughs> I've got a kind of insatiable desire to make costumes all the time I've got an ice swimming competition that I'm doing in December later in this year and the team that we're in is called Team Quackers the logo is a rubber duck, so I found some swimmer fabric that's got rubber duckies on it. So that's going to be cosy for, yeah, I just, you know, I just, I like it. I don't know whether I enjoy, I don't know whether the swimming fuels the passion for making swimming cosies or the, or making swimming cosies fuels the swimming or whether it's just kind of symbiotic. <laughs> it obviously goes together really well. Yeah, I think so. Do you have one or two swimming cosy patterns that you use? all the time yeah well I've I've now perfected my racer back which is so comfortable and I've altered it and changed it and developed it until I've got it just how I want it to be for my sea swimming and my training because it fits my bust really well it's got quite wide straps which means on a long swim they don't kind of dig into you and it's mm-hmm. it's very supportive I've just perfected it so that it doesn't ride up on the bottom mm-hmm. when that very repetitive movement of sort of rotating hips and then that TB hit, which just means that you're doing that over and over again thousands and thousands of times. So I've got it so that the costume just stays put. That's my go-to. But I've also got some play cozies for when I'm going on holiday or just kind of mucking about which are quite fun. And that's just, that's just a pull on tug. And then the next thing that I want to have a go at is making a teepee, the tankini to sea. I don't know whether I would want to use that in the sea because when, you, when you're doing outdoor open water swimming, especially when you're training, you tend to wear something called a toe float, which is like a, it's a really, really high visibility floating bag, which is attached to some webbing, which then goes around your waist. And it's got a whistle on it and it just makes you tons more visible in the water. So if you're getting into a pickle or if there's a problem, then people can find you. It's not designed to be a flotation device, but you can hold on to it and it gives you a bit of respite. 
and also you, you can get ones that are designed so that you can put feeds and drinks inside so if you're doing a marathon you need to stop and hydrate and sometimes you need to have a cheeky early baby or a little slither of flapjack just to fortify you so the toe floats are pretty good so I'm not sure if I would want to have that webbing around my exposed midriff I kind of like the idea of making some tankinis for when I'm doing pool training as well so I'm always on the lookout and obviously teaching it and running the same swimming group there are people who are constantly posting pictures of new swimming cosy patterns so there's certainly loads to pick out and really really good size ranges now you know the 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 pattern designers have really upped their game in terms of being able to provide a range because that's kind of one of the reasons why I started making the swimming costumes in the first place because I had like a you know a standard commercial which I think was I think the most exciting color I could get was navy blue and in my size in a what I would say would be a training costume rather than a holiday costume so something that's going to stay and that you can train in I just think oh it's just really I don't like them they're boring and I you know that it's not that's not what I'm about at all so that was the reason why I started because I couldn't swim in costumes that were vibrant and reflected my personality in a size that I wanted and it seems that that might be quite similar for many other women you know the size provision is an issue so it's good to have a swimming costume that fits you so that then you can go ahead and make any variation that suits your mood exactly exactly that I think that so over 50 is marvelous because it gives an opportunity for women of our age to showcase how fabulous they are across the world and how creative and skilled and supportive they are. It gives an opportunity to make a statement about what they're about and it's not necessarily to do with what they have achieved in their life to that point or what their caring responsibilities or what their families have been or what their careers have been. It's something which is very personal and a real celebration. One of the other reasons why I really like So Over 50 is you see such a massive variety because it's it's international. You have a massive, massive variety of people from all over the world, people with different tastes, people with different cultures, and they're all sewing and celebrating what they do. And I find that really, really inspirational. So, you know, even if you can't find somebody who is exactly the same as you and with exactly the same figure and exactly the same taste, there will always be something there of interest. I mean, I think you lot that curate So Over 50 do a remarkable job because it's just, I mean, it's a huge amount of work to pull it all together and to constantly come up with all those ideas. And, you know, it's this, it's this constantly moving, evolving celebration of women of our age. And I think it's remarkable that we've got that and we've got access to that. And, and if I have played a small part in making somebody think, do you know what, I'm just going to give that a go because that lady's bonkers and that's what she's done, then I think that's just, I'll take that. I would be very, very proud 
of that. So I think that's that's my little summary, I think. And it's all thanks to the hard work behind the scenes by Judith and Sandy because they're the ones who have been running this with volunteers and Susan does the blog post, but they've been doing it solidly and it's just been wonderful. It is. It's amazing, isn't it? It's I mean, hats off to them, swimming caps off to them. You know, they're, they're, they're epic, aren't they? Yes. Very good. And also, can I say thank you also to giving me the chance to kind of blather on about <laughs> swimming and swimming cousins all the time. I don't know how you're going to edit this. Amanda, it's been great to speak to you. Now, before we go, what can people do to support your first relay swim across the channel, the English channel? Well, so there are a couple of different ways that people can support me. There's the obvious one of actually giving money to the charity. That would be very supportive. And there's a link in my bio on the Swimming Seamstress on Instagram. But one of the things that I love and I'm going to be doing it more frequently the closer I get is to actually talk a little bit more about my training and what I'm doing to prepare myself so spreading the love and those kind of positive affirmations that other people give you about what you're doing are always very very heartening and encouraging so it's really lovely to get the feedback and so yeah just hit the hit the likes and if you feel inclined to say something then then go ahead and say it and and if you want to give me some money then well not give me money but give the charity money swim tiger it's preventing child drowning and encouraging water stewardship in developing countries and there's nobody that would would ever say no I don't want that to happen that's right that's a good one and that's and I'm going to be thinking about that when I am front crawling my way through over to a croissant. (laughs) Hopefully more than one croissant. Yeah, a lot of croissants with jam. You'll have (laughs) earned every single bite. Every crumb, every every buttery golden flake. (laughs) Very good. Thank you. Thank you too. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of So Organised Old Podcast was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Amanda, soundbybensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Old Podcast, spelt with an S, not a Z, on all good podcast apps. Make sure you listen to over 40 of the So Over 50 podcasts we've now published. Post any questions or suggestions you have on our Instagram account at So Organised Style or on our website www.soorganisedstylepodcast.com or in our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>